This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Harbin and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Jonathan Miller. Well, the migrant crisis and the tragedy in the Channel this week where around 30 people have drowned trying to get to the UK in a small boat has been dominating the international political discussion, James. And it hasn't been very pretty in terms of the fallout and the blame game we've seen between the British and the French. No, it hasn't. I think you might have thought that this week's tragedy in the Channel would would have forced the two sides to move beyond kind of point-scoring responses. Uh, and there were some early signs of that, but then things have deteriorated. Um, yesterday, Boris Johnson... Uh, sorry, on Thursday, Boris Johnson and Emmanuel Macron had a phone call, which sounded quite positive. Boris Johnson then released a letter summing up what he thought had been discussed in that phone call and released it on Twitter. The French reacted to that very badly. On Friday morning, they uninvited Priti Patel from a meeting of kind of Northern European interior ministers that was meant to discuss this issue. And then Emmanuel Macron went on TV to say that leaders don't communicate via Twitter uh, and the British aren't serious. Now, Macron is right that Twitter isn't a, a vehicle for diplomacy, but he might want to tell his Europe minister, Clement Bone that. But it, it is also, I think, revealing of just how bad Anglo-French relations are but Emmanuel Macron's response to Boris Johnson posting the letter on Twitter was to go on television and say that the, the British aren't, aren't being serious and these, can, these discussions should take place face-to-face between leaders. And I think this is... Uh, but I think there is a fundamental problem here, which is there is, first of all, no easy solution to this problem. And secondly, Britain will always care more about people entering its territory than France will about people leaving its <laughs> Jonathan, you're speaking to us from France. Does it seem like a a, a very petty response to a, a dreadful tragedy from your perspective? Well, I think there has been a, there has been a terrible tragedy, and it seems pretty evident to me that the French have been fairly content to turn a Nelsonian blind eye to this flotilla of rubber boats that has been. Uh, relieving them of this problem with with undocumented migrants and dumping it in the lap of the British. And there are various conspiracy theories, which may or may not, it's true there are theories, whether the theories themselves are true is unclear, that uh, it suits uh, Macron's purpose to be in a sort of state of perpetual war with the Brits and take the Brits down a peg, and the migrants are one way of doing this, and Northern Ireland is another, and the, the Fisher persons are yet another. But now we're in this very strange place where relations between us really ought to be rather positive and forward-looking and constructive, and what can we do to work with each other and collaborate? But instead we've degenerated into this, uh, into this situation where we're, we're actually on the brink of a kind of a blockade of the ports of uh, people who are entirely innocent, suffering. And worst of all, we still have, apparently, migrants in the hands of these passeurs, these human smugglers, being forced onto these boats. And it's it's the end of November. I mean, this isn't like a 
paddling pool out there in the channel. Apparently, one's read that this latest disaster with 27 dead people, you know, including three children and a pregnant woman, uh, was being pushed out to sea and just being hit by a, a, a ship which didn't even see them. Uh, I mean, imagine the horror of this. And yet the French, uh, from uh, one point of view, are making more of a fuss about their own amour propre, their own self-love and diplomatic nicety than actually doing anything about it. I'll just finish by saying I wrote a piece in the Daily Mail this morning, I'm allowed to mention the opposition, that suggested that this was, you know, this was all to do with to do with Macron's fury over Brexit and he is so angry about Brexit that he will punish the British any way he can. And in effect, that seems to be what's happening and he's doing nothing to calm this down. I, I think Boris's letter to him may have been slightly inept, but, you know, he's saying positive. He's been saying for months, apparently, the Prime Minister, and I'm no defender of Boris. He's been warning Macron for months. It's just going to take one warning. We're going to wake up and, and we're going to see there's been a tragedy. And yet the French have been content to wave these boats off and do nothing to stop them. So it's a, it's a very, very tricky situation. James, you were writing about growing Tory unease over the number of boats that, that were making it across the channel before this tragedy occurred. Obviously, it has now grown hugely in salience for British voters. But there is, talking to some Conservative MPs, a, a sense that because the French are being so noisily intractable, that it is less of a, a political issue than it might necessarily be, because blame can be spread more widely. Look, I mean, there is a truth that if you can say that the French aren't helping, that gives the government some political protection. But ultimately, the fact that you've got three times as many people crossing the channel this way as did as you had last year does make it very hard for the government to say, look, we've taken back control of our borders. And I think that it is because the voters who care about this most are also some of the voters who shifted to the Tories in 2019. But I think that is one of the things that is causing particular concern in, in, in Tory ranks about this. I think this is, though, is a very, very difficult problem to solve. I think that, that that it is only going to get worse, I fear, because if you look at what events are unfolding in Afghanistan, in the Horn of Africa, I don't think you're going to see any diminution in the number of people who want to make the crossing. I think that number of people who want to make the crossing is likely to increase. I also think that these people smuggling gangs are becoming more and more sophisticated in their operations. And I, 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 I fear in terms of the human toll, but, you know, for example, we saw recently that Decathlon, a sports shop, stopped selling dinghies, an inflatable craft, in its stores on, on, on the Channel Coast in an attempt to try and to try and curb the number of people crossing. If you look at the the wreckage from this dinghy that, that capsized so tragically on Wednesday night, I mean, you, you see how how basic the craft that, that these people smugglers are putting people into to try and cross is. And, and as Jonathan said, you know, the fact that, you know, there is, I mean, there will be a winter lull, I suspect. But I also think that, you know, come the spring, there will be no shortage of people and so unless you can get upstream to try and deal with this problem, 
then I think it is only going to come back worse next year. So, Jonathan, let's talk about the upstream uh, factors for the French. As you say, that there's always going to be less incentive for them to stop people leaving their shores and areas for, for the British to, to, to stop them. But uh, it's not as though France is going through a, a sort of pro-immigrant political uh, phase at the moment, is it? Well, I think you add into this wheelbase of problems the... Uh, this cluster of problems, the fact of, of the relative imminence of an election in France in which immigration has become one of the you know, central issues. If you watch Freddie Gray's interview on Spectator TV with Eric Zemmour, I think is now up and running, is fascinating, uh, in which he talks about the centrality of immigration, the belief of a large number of voters, whether they're a majority or not, we, it remains to be seen that immigration has become, in effect, a, a kind of culture war against the society that they believe belongs to them. I mean, this is a fault line, and uh, it's part of the election campaign. Now, Macron, I don't know. I'm having a hard time analysing whether this helps Macron or hurts Macron. I'm not at all certain that this is all playing out quite according to his best electoral interests. I think that the tragedy in the channel will raise some questions about what his police have actually been doing up there. And I think it gives strength to his rivals, particularly as a more on the more right-hand side of the, of the road, and Barnier on the right-centre side of the road talking more about immigration, and even the, you know, the rest of the Republicans talking about immigration. Zamor seems to think that Macron actually believes in immigration. This is part of the, the globalization agenda in which he is, of which he is a part. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think he is motivated by a certain ideological... Uh, he has a difficulty with Britain. He, you know, he has this long historical view, which is admirable in a way, but thinking over a thousand years of Anglo-French relations, and this is really Anglo-French as much as British-French, France has been consistently on the short end of the stick. And this is maybe he sees a historical opportunity to redress the balance, to, to weaken the union. He's very active in Ireland. His diplomats are active in Scotland. He's attacking you know, British sovereignty on the south coast in a way that is not entirely under, you know, indistinguishable from that being used by Belarus against Poland or Erdogan. So, uh, you know, is he actually being entirely rational? This is the point I raise in the mail. Is this kind of, you know, desire to punish the British uh, for Brexit, you know, this ideal, an ideological obsession that is somehow overwhelming more considered and more rational judgments, more becoming to the president, to a president of the Fifth Republic? And that's how I see it. James, on Thursday, Priti Patel gave a statement in the House of Commons about Wednesday's Wednesday's drownings. And she continued with the line that she's had for quite a while, which is to say to opposition MPs, you know, if they've got better ideas, they should they should come to me with them. But she also had a, a number of new stances, including acknowledging that there, there are pull factors to this country and quite significantly agreeing that the term migrant was dehumanising and that the BBC and other broadcasters and media outlets should not be using it. What's behind that? I'm not quite sure. I thought Stephen Daisy wrote a very good piece on Coffee House, basically saying that this is 
absurd. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything pejorative about the term migrant or, or offensive. I think it's a, it's a very, very odd argument to suggest that, you know, that the word shouldn't be used. I mean, I don't think migrant is in any way an offensive or derogatory term. I thought, it was very, I thought that was a very odd comment from Priti Patel. Why do you think she was making it? I wonder whether there's a kind of a, a tonal shift in response to to what happened on Wednesday, but I also thought it was odd in this thing that she's in that statement. She's still talking about the possibility of trying to turn around vessels at sea, these craft at sea. The problem with trying to turn these vessels around at sea is you are highly likely to capsize them. At which point you end up having to pick everybody up out of the water and bring them ashore. And so I think this is there are no 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 simple solutions here i think the government are now you know the government are now because the government can't see any other option that works the government is becoming keener and keener on the idea of offshore processing centers but the problem is they can't find anyone to host the offshore processing center and the other problem is any offshore processing center wouldn't be in the channel so it it would require you to to bring these people to to the uk and then transport them from the uk to this offshore processing centre. So uh, I think this is, I, mean, I think the government is, until the government can find somewhere to host an offshore processing centre, I think the government is really stuck on this issue. Well, you know, the, I don't know, it's difficult. I'm a long way from the Channel Coast here in the south of France, closer to the Spanish border, really. And I think people are aware of this here. I don't think it's a predominant, you know, this issue of migration here has more local resonances over what's going on in nearby cities like Bézier, Montpellier. But, uh, you know, it has taken, uh, sadly, these terrible events in the Channel this week to focus attention on an issue which has been somewhat somewhat brushed under the carpet. And politicians are going to have to face up to this on both sides. You know, I'm sad to report that from the French side, I don't see a great at this moment, indications that they're going to do anything particularly sensible. I think that the collateral deaths in the channel are simply a price that the French government is willing to pay for its policy on the UK. And I think, you know, it was only on Sunday we were told that Boris, you know, the Sunday Times had a story by Shipman uh, saying that Boris wanted to reset relations with the French. I mean, that hasn't lasted till the end of the week. Relations between the British and the French are worse today than at any time that I can remember them in the last 20 years. Uh, Thank you, James. Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to The Spectator in our flash sale and you'll get 12 weeks of the magazine in print and online for just £12. Not only that, but we'll also send you a bottle of Johnny Walker Black Label Scotch Whiskey absolutely free. Hurry, though, as this offer ends on Monday go to spectator.co.uk forward slash sale.